Okay, today, sorry, you, your, your number was called, you're in. Okay, you are in the juror's seat now. Okay, you are going to see a trial. Right, you're going to hear uh, evidence. You're going to hear the testimony of witnesses, and then a verdict is going to be reached, and you are part of that verdict. You get to make the decision. Okay, Jesus is on trial, and you are going to determine after you see the evidence, you get to make the decision. Who is he? Right? What do you think? That is the the title of the message today. What do you think? So let's read through uh, these verses. It's verses 57 through 68, and then we will come back and break down the verses. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, we do pray, Lord, that you would give us discernment. Lord, that we might make a proper decision in this case. Lord, help us to understand. Make application to our lives, Lord, and, and help us to grow in these things through your word. We love you, Lord, and commit ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, here we have the guys, here are the soldiers they, of the high priest. They take Jesus. Um, now, if, if you actually look at the, the, the harmony of all the gospels, uh, they don't go to Caiaphas' house first. First, they go to Annas. In that year, there was actually two high priests. Now you think, how is that possible? I thought Jewish law said that there could only be one high priest and he's in position until he dies. Yes, that's true. But remember, Rome has occupied Jerusalem and Rome didn't like Annas, right? So they said, that's it. Your son-in-law is in. Caiaphas, you're up. And so Annas technically is still the high priest as, as far as the Jews are concerned. But Caiaphas is the acting high priest because he's been placed there as more of like a political position uh, by Rome. And so you have two high priests. So what they do is they first go to Annas. Annas questions him a little bit, and then they beat him. And then they take him to Caiaphas, and there the Sanhedrin is gathered together. The Sanhedrin is the 70 uh, people who are like the ruling party in Jerusalem, in Israel. Okay, so they're they're basically, just think of them like the Supreme Court, the Federal Supreme Court. That's who these guys are. And so now they all come together, and and they have their little council, and they have their little white wigs on, and they got their gavels, not really. But, you know, you, you get the idea. They're all there. 
And then notice what this is, because this is a trial, yes, but notice that it is a mock trial. Are these guys seeking to prove the innocence of Jesus? Are these men seeking to find out the truth of Jesus? Is he or is he not? Is that their question? Is that their motive? No, of course not. Their motive is, and it's right here in, in verse 59, it says, And all the council sought false testimony against Jesus. And what was their motive? To put him to death. Now, any of you guys, now, I, I, I like to kind of bring this up every once in a while as we're going through the Bible. When you think of people like Peter, you identify with them, right? Like, oh, if I was in the boat, I would have got out too. Only I wouldn't have looked down. I would have just kept walking. Right. When we see, you know, David and you know, him like facing Goliath, you go like, you know what? Yeah, that would have been me. And you can imagine yourself with that sling and, and like bringing down Goliath and all that kind of stuff. And then when we see people like Haman in the Bible who tried to kill all the Jews in Esther's day, we go, I'm glad I'm not like him. I know a few people like him, though, don't I? Yes, my relatives. Right. There's. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and we go, like, that's those people. And, and then when there's, like, a warning in the scripture, you go, like, oh, I wish Aunt Marie was here. But how often do we actually say, no, 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 I'm Judas. That was me. That counsel who sought to kill Jesus. You know what? On a bad day, on the wrong opportunity, that would be me, too. And actually, I can say from my own personal testimony, that was me. I actually sought to kill Jesus, didn't I? You guys know my testimony. I got saved trying to disprove the Bible so I could shatter my wife's faith. Right? I was literally this counsel. I was seeking false testimony. I was looking for the evidence to prove that the Bible was wrong so I could finally undermine the foundation that my wife's faith was built on so I could destroy it and then she could finally worship me like she ought. Right? That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. And, and, and that is the heart of sinful man. That is what it means. Because it says the carnal mind is at enmity with God. If you're not sure what enmity means, it means deep-seated hatred. I hated Jesus. I couldn't stand him. I was so insanely jealous of Jesus because there was another man in my wife's life. Right? How could she love somebody more than me? That's impossible. That doesn't make any sense. And I hated it. And so I sought counsel, I, anything I could get my hands on, any, anybody that would, would show me that Jesus was somehow wrong, man, I wanted to hear it. And so that's what we have here. We have this, and you know, and understand this, you know, apart from Christ, you know, every single one of us have that same possibility within our hearts, right? When you go out and you, know, you share with people, right? Have you noticed how angry people get when you talk about Jesus? Why? It's like, you know, here is this guy who came and he died on the cross for the sins of humanity. Isn't that good news? I mean, it's called the gospel. Gospel means good news, right? So why do people get so angry about that? Because the carnal man is, it's, it's, it's in opposition to God and the workings of God. It hates him. Because what does it do? If there is a God, that means there is a righteous judge and I will be held accountable for my life. And that means the sin that I do now is going to one day get me into trouble. And I don't like that. So be quiet. Shut your mouth. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's the way I was. Right? If I'm honest, that's the way I was. I don't want to hear anything about Jesus positive or anything like that. It's like, because if you tell me that, that we're all sinners, that means you're saying that I'm a sinner. And if I'm a sinner, that means I'm wrong and everybody knows that I'm not wrong because I wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true, right? That's how we think, okay? 
that is the heart of man. Right? That is the heart of man. And we need to understand that. Right? We are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has turned to our own way. And it was there that God met us, huh? Right? It was there that God met us while we were on the road away from him, trying to disprove him, seeking counsel and false testimony. That's when he met us and he came alongside us. He said, oh, you're looking for evidence, are you? Oh, okay, well, well what, what evidence you got? Show me. Tell me about it. Right? And, and at least he did me. He met me. And, and their desire was to put him to death. I hated Jesus. I wanted him gone. I wanted him out. But you know what? I, like these men, verse 60, but found none. Now, I don't know how many of you have, like, researched the Bible and, and, like, dug into things and looking for evidences and archaeology and all that kind of stuff. That's how I got saved. You know, I was looking for the evidence to prove the Bible was wrong. And you know what? I found none. I found none. And I was looking. Even though, now here's the thing, many false witnesses came forward, they still found none. And you know what? There's lots of false witnesses out there, right? Liberal theology... The, the, the higher critics, you know, all these people from different religions all pointing saying, oh, and, and they'll say, oh, the Bible says this, and what about this? And oh, you guys are like holding back. See, there's all these other gospels. Look at this gospel, right? This gospel, why don't you believe this? Well, because it's got mistakes in it. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, and I'm not just talking mistakes against the Bible. I'm talking like historical mistakes, grammatical mistakes, lots of mistakes, Okay. But we found none. And so even though many false witnesses came forward, they could not find an accusation against Jesus. Now, us guys, we just got um, through studying uh, the book of Daniel. And we looked at this man, Daniel. And, and the same thing happened with Daniel. See, he, he was being uh, lifted up in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians by King Darius. And Darius, he's like, you know what? I'm going to make three satraps. Those are like these ruling guys. It's like, it's like prime ministers, but there's three of them. Okay? He goes, so I'm going to have these three satraps over all of my kingdom. To make sure that every tithe, every you know, tax revenue, everything comes in and not anything is lost. And then as these guys start working these three satraps, Daniel separated himself among them. And, and he was like, because of an excellent spirit that was in him, he proved to be more valuable, more wise, more knowledgeable than all the rest. And Darius, it says that he had the thought of raising Daniel to be the one guy over everything. And these other satraps, they didn't like that. And so they started seeking, like, okay, we need, to, we need to get some mud on this guy, and we need it stat. And they started researching, seeking out how they could prove that Daniel was somehow a bad guy. But guess what? They said they couldn't find any because he was faithful, right? He was completely faithful. And they said the only thing, the only way we're ever going to be able to get Daniel to break the law is if we make it illegal to be a Jew. Okay? That is, that is what they came. And you know what? For us... Jesus' testimony here, they could find nothing wrong with him. They could have no accusation against him. Daniel, a man of like passions like us, only he didn't have the Holy Spirit like we believers have. So we actually have an advantage over Daniel. And yet, he modeled what we see in Jesus here, where people could not find anything wrong with him. Why? Because he was faithful. Okay? Guys. Guys. How faithful are you? I know how faithful I am, and unfortunately it's sorely lacking. We need to be men and women who are faithful. That when people who are out there, who are watching us to fail, do you know that's happening? Right? If you've told any non-believer that you are a Christian, if they know that you're here on a Sunday morning, 
If they know that, then guess what? They're waiting for you to fail. They're waiting for you to fall because they want the excuse to blaspheme God. Don't give them any excuse. Don't give them any opportunity to justify their unbelief and their rebellion against God. But at last, at last, here it says, uh, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Now, is that what Jesus said? Did he say that? Well, I don't think so. He said something like that. But, you know, actually in John 2.19, he said, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple. That means you guys do it. Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. He says, tear this down. He's speaking of the cross that he was going to be going to. He says, tear this down. And in three days, I will raise it up. Okay, so these guys, these witnesses, they're still not credible, right? They, they still don't agree with actually what the evidence that was being placed forward is. And so look, so the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. So look, they're looking for the excuse. Jesus knows that they're trying to condemn him. He knows that they're going to be sending him to the cross. And so he's like, you know what? I'm not going to give you anything. I'm just going to stand here and you do what you feel is best. Right. You do what is right in your own eyes and, and you know, we'll see what's going on. And, and so they're saying, like, why don't you answer? Right. Why don't you say something? Well, in Isaiah 53, uh, verse seven, we have an example of it. Uh, it was actually prophesied that Jesus wouldn't open his mouth, that he wouldn't testify, that he wouldn't say anything. Um, verse seven says he was oppressed. We see that he was afflicted. Yes, he was beaten, slapped the whole bit. He opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus is being obedient to the prophetic word, right? He, he is not opening his mouth. So he's saying, like, what are you going to say for yourself? And, and the high priest is now getting angry because he can't get any dirt when Jesus keeps his mouth shut, right? What's the best way to stop a lawyer? Don't say anything, right? Because they like to take your words and twist them. Now, there's some really good lawyers. I know some. There's, there's one on the board of worship generation. He's a great guy. But, you know, in general, that's what, that's what lawyers do. They, they try to trap you in your words, right? Word arguments, and they, they get you. Okay, so he's not saying anything. So the high priest is now getting frustrated. And it says, and the high priest, that's Caiaphas, answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now, does Caiaphas have the authority to say that? What do you think? Actually, he does. Um, again, in, um, the high priest actually has the authority to place somebody under oath. Um, this was something that uh, the Jews did believe. They, they actually, um, um, they, they, from Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1, uh, it, it says that if a person uh, sins in the hearing or the utterance of an oath uh, and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. The, the Jews interpreted this to mean that, hey, you know what? If the high priest like calls you, he says, hey, I put you under oath, answer now. If you don't answer, you are now guilty of breaking the law. Okay? So he, he does have this, at least the Jews believe it was in their culture, and Jesus seems to go along with it because um, Jesus is actually going to speak. He's going to open his mouth, even though he was silent up till that point. So Caiaphas now um, 
charges him, puts him under oath. And Jesus, again, this is important. Why is it important? Because Jesus is the sinless son of God, right? And no accusation was to be found against him. And if this interpretation of the law is correct, as the Jews believe it was, Jesus would now be guilty of breaking the law of Moses. Can Jesus break the law of Moses? No, he will keep his own rules. He will keep his own regulations. You know, even though he was the one who wrote it and was actually even, I suppose, over them. So, Jesus had to answer, or else he would be guilty of something. So he says, that, so Caiaphas says, I put you under oath by the living God. So now what he's doing, he's putting him under oath, but he's asking God the Father to become the witness. Man, that, that would be scary shoes to be in Caiaphas' place. He's seeking to murder somebody, and he's seeking to murder the Son of God, and he's asking God the Father to be witness. <laughs> it just shows you how off this guy is. Okay, but he says, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Because remember, throughout this, the Gospels, Jesus has been kind of going around, and the, they keep asking him, who are you? What are you? Where do you get this authority? And Jesus doesn't answer him. He doesn't answer him. He, he, he answers him with other questions like, hey, you know, John's baptism, is it, is it from heaven or from earth? And they're like, well, we're not going to say. He goes, well, I'm not going to tell you either. And he, off he goes. Right, Jesus has been evading the question and there's been a couple times where he's let the cat out of the bag, like with the woman of Samaria. Remember that? And she says, when the Christ comes, he will reveal all things. And Jesus says, I am he. It is, you know, it, it's he who's speaking to you. It's me. I'm the Messiah. And she's like, whoa. And then she goes off and tells everybody. Right? Remember the boys were at Caesarea Philippi? And he says, who do you say that I am? And they said, it was Peter. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yes. He says, heaven has revealed that to you. Yes. Okay, there's a couple times he's let it out of the bag. But as far as this counsel here, right, he's never said it to them. He, they, they've never heard it and they're wanting it. They're, they're wanting to know this is the big question, right? Because the Jews are waiting for Messiah. They want the Messiah to come, right? They, they, they've been anticipating this come. So, so because the, the Messiah is supposed to rule and reign, you know, on David's throne, get, they, they're going to like get rid of Roman occupation and the whole bit. That's what they believed. So they're waiting for it. And so everybody outside, you know, all of the, the, the lay people, all of the people, the, just the citizens of Israel, they believe, like, man, is, is, this, is Jesus the Messiah? Is the Messiah, when he comes, is he going to do more miracles than this guy? Like, wow. But these guys, they hated Jesus. Why? Because he was moving in on their territory. Right? They feel the same thing that I felt with my wife. Right? I, I was jealous of Jesus, and so are they. Right, because they have like a whole racket set up to, to bring money in and cheat people and steal from them and all that. And Jesus is saying, you're evil, you're evil, you're evil, and the thing you're doing is evil too. Get it out. They hated him for that. And the people liked him. That was even worse. Right, I can put up with you know, a little like bad PR, but the fact that the people like him, see, that's where the jealousy thing comes in. And they hated that people would hang on every word of Jesus. And they couldn't stand it. So he finally, he just puts it to the test. He's like, I put you under oath with God as my witness. Tell me now, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And notice he puts both in there. The Christ, the Messiah, as the Son of God. Right? I, I want to know. You tell me now. And here it is. This is the cliffhanger. If, you, if we were in a movie, this is where the, the music is swelling, building up, building up. The suspense, the tension in your soul. It's like, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? And Jesus says... It is as you said. Wow. Okay, I know it has a a, a little period there at the end of that sentence. I put an exclamation point in there. It's like, what? Whoa, 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 did you just hear what he said? 
Like, like if it's just kind of like, oh, well, what's so big about that? No, 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 you don't understand. Jesus now, he is in the court of law. This is a legal proceeding, even though it's a mock trial and they're breaking all sorts of laws, doing it at evening and all that kind of stuff. But nevertheless, even still, he's in the court of law. He is, his, his words are being taken down by this stenographer. Like, he's ready. Here it is. And this is the moment all the cameras are pointed at him. And they say, are you the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus says, yes. Wow. I get the chills. Look, I got the chills right now. Right? That, that's exactly what's going on right here. This is a monumental occasion. This is like, what? This would be the moment where all the reporters run out to go get there. Like, I want it first in my newspaper right? This is the most incredible statement. Jesus is saying, yes, I am. I am the son of God. I am the Christ, right? These men that they're looking for evidence to prove that he's a blasphemer, that, that he is a, some evil, vile man that they can put to death. And in the end, he's saying, I am God. That is who I am. And then he continues on. He says, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Mm. That sounds kind of interesting. That's a, that's a glorious moment, right? Because obviously who's going to sit at the right hand of the power? The power is God the Father, by the way, if you, if you didn't catch it. Right? He says, I, he says, I am God. He goes, and you know what, what you're doing right now? Yes, you are acting as a judge over me and you are going to condemn me to death. You are going to murder God. He says, and yet he goes, the next time you see me, he says, I will be sitting at the right hand of power and I will be coming on the clouds. And guess what? In that time, he's going to be the judge, right? That's what he's telling them. This is a very strong thing. It's a warning, and it's not really a threat because he's serious. A threat's just something like, oh, I, I'm going to do this, and you're trying to get somebody to back down. He's like, no, this is the reality. I am telling you what is going to happen. I am the Christ. I am the Son of God, and the next time you see me, I'm not going to be meek and mild. I'm going to be the judge. Okay, that is what Jesus is saying. This is a very powerful moment. We also see this in Psalm um, 110, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. We're going to see, see the, the Psalm 110 actually you know, pictures Jesus sitting on the throne at the right hand of power. We actually see it again. We flash forward a little bit now to the book of Acts, chapter 7. Um, and this is where Stephen the martyr is dying. And he looks up. And it says, And he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. No, wait, there's something wrong there. He's supposed to be seated at the right hand of God. Yeah, but you know, Stephen has given his heart, he's given his life for Jesus and he's asking God to forgive them for murdering him, right? That deserves a standing O. Jesus stands up. Well done, Stephen. Well done. Okay? That is what we see. Um, I, I can give even more flash way forward, 2,000 years forward, as Trinity was on her deathbed. Trinity, can you want me to pray that God heals you? Can you see heaven? Yep. Right? In the same, I, I don't know what she was seeing, but she said she could see heaven. Right? The veil was being rolled back and she could see it. Okay, that is what Jesus is talking about here. That's what he's, he's giving, um, he's telling them, hey guys, you are acting as a judge over me right now and I will submit to your uh, judiciary position. 
He says, but you know, I am telling you. And remember, God is still witness. God is, and I believe God was definitely at this trial, right? He, he was there. God the Father was very intently watching, and God was being a witness. And guess what? Caiaphas one day is going to stand before the great white throne, and God is going to say, I was witness, and guess what? You're fired. I say that kind of half-jokingly, but very in whole earnest. It may not sound like a severe warning, but Jesus is saying that they will bow before him as he sits upon his father's throne. He will one day be judge over him. And we just read that they sought false witness to accuse him in order to kill him. Guys, that's murder, right? They are literally in the presence of God in the very act of committing murder. Okay? He is under oath with his father as a witness. And guys, they have been warned. Okay, they have been warned. Then verse 65 says, the high priest tore his clothes. Now, um, that might not sound like anything to you, but he just broke the law. By tearing his clothes, he broke the law. In Leviticus 21, 10, it says, he who is the high priest among his brethren, on whose head the anointing oil was poured, and who is consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor tear his clothes. Right? The high priest is not allowed to do this. So what he's doing right now, this is an act of sin and rebellion against his position. Okay? He is, this whole trial is a mock trial. He's breaking the law in doing it. He's overstepping his authority. He is accusing an innocent man. And now he is breaking his very covenant with God as high priest. Okay? Just so you don't miss that. And he says, he has spoken blasphemy. That means an attack against somebody. Right? He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Because they couldn't find any. Right? There was nobody who could say anything wrong with Jesus. He had committed no sin. He goes, so, he goes forget the witnesses. Right? We've got all we need. He says, blasphemy. He says, because now, he goes, you have heard his blasphemy. Talking to the Sanhedrin. Right? You have heard his blasphemy. Now, here's the thing. If Jesus wasn't the Son of God, would this be blasphemy? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so now he says, what do you think? This is a very important question. See, the Sanhedrin, they've weighed the evidence. They've seen it. They, they, they know that he has raised the dead. They know that he has clear, cleansed the lepers. He knows he, he has made the, the lame to walk. He knows that they have made the blind to see. Right? They, he know that they all know that he has spoken the gospel of the kingdom of heaven to the poor, as is stated in the scriptures. He has fulfilled everything that the Bible said they should expect the Messiah to do. They know all of these things. And then, according to the scriptures, according to the prophet Isaiah, right, he is to be the everlasting father, right? the son of God. Right? It's on all your um, Christmas cards and things like that. Isaiah 9, 6, I think it is, right? It, it, it literally declares him to be the son of God. And so he even says that, I am the son of God. And now they look at all of this evidence and, and, and you basically have, the, the, the evidence is now lining up. It's like, okay, which way does it go? Right, which way does it go? In the same way that Creation Corner, we lay the evidence here. In which way does the evidence shift? Does it shift and, and confirm what, what Darwin said? Or does it shift and, conser- and confirm what the Bible said? Right, in the same sense, these men, they believe that Jesus is not the Son of God. They have to ignore all of the evidence in order to believe that. It is a blind faith. 
But that is what they believe. So they, they sit there now, and, and, and we have this verdict that's about to come. And the high priest says, you tell me, what do you think? And you know what? It's as if Caiaphas' voice has rung through the eons to hear right now and in this room. What do you think? It doesn't matter what they think. We're going to see what they're going to do in, just a, in a very short while. But the more important question is, what do you think? Right? We have heard the evidence. We've found that there is no sin found in this man. Nobody could find any evidence of any wrongdoing. And you've got to know, the Jews don't like Jesus. You guys are aware of that, right? They're pretty offended. Like when you, you know, They won't even use Jesus' name for the most part. Right? They're very offended by him. So do you think that, and especially the Jews of Jesus' day, they really were offended by him. If there was some error, if there was some evil that he had done, don't you think that they would have brought it up? Don't you think that we would, and it would have been passed down, you know, very well preserved because the Jews are amazing at preserving ancient documents, right? They would have passed it down. Like, no, 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 here's the evidence. Is there any evidence? Have the Jews presented any real evidence that Jesus is not who he said he was? No, because there is none. Okay, so, so all of this is here now before us. We see how the high priests have answered the question, and now we must answer that question also. Is Jesus God... Or is he a blasphemer? You have to answer that question. It's an important question, and Jesus leaves us no room to be undecided. He said, because you know, I remember at, when I was in my phase of trying to destroy Christ, you know, I would tell people all the time, it never says in the Bible that Jesus said that he was God. Here it is. Here it is. Oh yeah, he actually does say, I am God. It is as you said. And not only that, I'm going to be your judge, but... He has clearly stated that he is indeed the son of God who will sit on the throne of God, that he is the Christ. And so he is either the Lord or he is a liar. So which is it? Right. You guys are the jury. Right. You are the jury. You you know, here you are, the Sanhedrin sitting there. Right. You're the modern day Sanhedrin. And, And the question has gone out. What do you think? You have heard the evidence. What do you think? And you say, hey, you know what, I, I haven't read the Bible yet, I, I, I don't know that much, then you know what, I'll give you an opportunity to say, I abstain for now. But know this, before the day you breathe your last, you will need to make a decision. And not making a decision is a decision, by the way. Okay, you can abstain now in this court hearing, but you cannot abstain forever. There will be a day where you will need to make a choice. Is he Lord or is he liar? If he is a liar, or just egotistical, or crazy then we should all pack up, every single one of us, we should pack up right now and go get drunk. Or something like that. Why? Because our hope is dead. Okay? That's the result. If you believe he's a liar or a lunatic, then you know what? We might as well just go get slammed. Right? Frank, you quit for no reason. Sorry about that, dude. You should have enjoyed your beer. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. You know... Because if he is a liar or a lunatic, then you know what? Our hope is dead. My daughter is in a little jar. That's it. There is no hope if he is a liar or a lunatic. We're all just dead. We're, we're just waiting for to be maggot food. That's it. Sorry to be so graphic. But if he is the Lord, then we have seen the face of God and the great glory of his love and humility. Why? Because he stayed. Remember the reckless love? He knew, he told his disciples, two days till Passover, and I'm going to be crucified. And he didn't run, 
right? Judas hadn't betrayed him yet. He knew, and yet he stayed. So guys, you need to make a choice, right? It's dishonoring for us to try to say, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because he stayed, and his staying, his just amazing love and his humility to condescend to become a man and to be put into the hands of sinful men demands a verdict we must choose and it would be like it would be like the the person who was on trial looking to the jury saying you choose you choose don't say nothing he says you choose i am either a liar or i'm lord and you choose it demands a verdict And if we have beheld the glory of his love and his humility, and he is indeed the Lord, then what sort of men, what sort of women should we be? If this is true, if you cast your ballot and say, Lord, then how should we live? as though he is the Son of God, seated at the right hand of power, and he is coming on the clouds in glory. And there will be a trumpet sound. And in that day, if you have abstained, 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 the trumpet sounds, no, 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 he's Lord. Too late. Too late. You can still be saved, but it's going to get really uncomfortable. Guys, we must make a choice. And we must choose. And guess what? How, how does our verdict go? How, how do we cast our ballot? Well, number one, we have to believe. Right? We put our faith in. And, and, and faith isn't just like, oh, I believe. Right? If I had Chloe build a bridge, okay, over a big chasm, Chloe, mind you, if I had Chloe build a bridge, and she came and say, hey, Miss Donna, want to go on my bridge? Do you believe it'll hold you? And you could say, oh, I believe you, sweetheart. I believe you. That looks a good looking bridge. Did you use popsicle sticks? Wow. And she goes, okay, then go out on it. <laughs> Donna would be crazy to go out on it. Why? Because she didn't really believe that Chloe had built a, a, a sound bridge. Right? She doesn't believe that she engineered it properly. Right? There's no way she's going out on that bridge. Why? Because though she may confess, oh, I believe that it would work, sweetheart. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. She doesn't believe. She ain't going out. Okay? So faith isn't just a matter of saying, oh, I believe. Because, you know, the demons say, oh, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. They know that. Right? They, they don't argue with that point at all. Belief is more trusting in the work of another trusting that the cross has indeed covered your sin and not only covered it but removed it from you justified you redeemed you back to god okay so that's how we begin but it's not that's not enough see there's also needs to be confession with the mouth right we say yes jesus is lord somebody asks you pointedly do you believe that jesus is god you need to say yes i do if you say abstained Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me in this wicked and perverse generation, I will be, um, I will be um, ashamed of you before my Father. Okay, so we need to speak it as well. But then, now what's the evidence? What's the evidence that we do indeed believe? You know, we, we've spoken with our mouth. We, 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 have, we have believed it. But now what's the evidence? 
What's the evidence that, that, that God is indeed our God, that he is our Lord? Well, Jesus said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. He says, and it's good that I go because if I go, then I'm going to send the counselor, the Holy Spirit of God to you. And he is going to now enter into you and he is going to take up um, his residence in your own spirit. And God himself will enter you and he will be with you and he will begin to change you. He will sanctify you and he will begin to mold and shape you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Right? That is what the evidence is. So what's the evidence? The Holy Spirit in your life. Well, how do you know the Holy Spirit's in your life? Well, number one is that you love. You have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. There, there's a bunch of them. Right? That is the evidence. The changed life. How do you know? Because if, if you're just like, hey, you know what? Oh, I say it and I tell people that Jesus is the Lord. But you know what? My life, you know, I live like hell between Sunday and Sunday. Guess what? Do you have any assurance of salvation? The Bible says no. I don't care what you said. We, we, we just finished that in James, right? I don't care what you say. He goes, show me your faith by your life. Then I will know. So how do we cast our ballots? We abide in Christ. We love him. We devote ourselves to him. We give of our very self. We lay down who we are for him. We love people who are unlovable even when they hate us in return and revile us and scorn us. We love them and we pray for them and we don't attack back. That is how people will know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and that is how you will glorify God. That is how you cast your ballot. So I charge you now. I put you under oath in the presence of God because he is here because the Bible says he is because two or more are gathered in his name. I put you under oath with the witness of God. Is he Lord or is he liar? You need to make that decision. And you don't need to come up after service and tell me, oh, I believe he's Lord. Show me. Show me. Ephesians 4, 1 verse, through verse 3 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul speaking, beseech you, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's your marching orders. Cast your ballot now. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for this word. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much, that you are willing to humble yourself. You are willing to stand in this atrocity this this sham of justice and you are willing to submit to the decision of the high priest in the Sanhedrin you allowed them to crucify you Lord for your love of us and so Lord we stand here in awe and Lord I declare Lord and, and I stand and I speak for my family Lord as for me and my house we will serve the Lord you are Lord, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and the Son of Man. And we worship you, Lord. We pray that you would receive this worship now as we stand and just lift our hearts and our souls to you.